When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can see him on NHL Now between the hours of 4 and 6. And you see him occasionally call games with Kevin Weeks on the NHL Network. He was doing the pregame for Columbus and Colorado out in Finland. There isn't anything this guy can't do, including this podcast. How are you, buddy? I do it all. I do it all, Donnie. You do. You name it. You do it all for all. For all, exactly. For the people. Yeah, for all the people. The hockey people. I don't want to start on a downer, but I, I gotta, I gotta bring it up. Uh, I was really crestfallen before uh, the game I did yesterday between the Red Wings and the Rangers when I heard the news about Peter McNabb. You know, as a fan of the Devils growing up, uh, his voice is so ingrained in my soul, especially during that 94-95 run, all those games that he called. Even in the postseason, this is before the national stuff, you know. So all those the playoff run in 94, you know, him and Gary calling games and him and Doc calling games in, in that mid-90s time. And um, great player. Um, Dave Maloney, I thought, put it best about Peter McNabb about what a teddy bear he was on the Big Bad Bruins. You know, he's a big body, but he was such a nice guy. What a great person to get to know. Always accommodating to me, and it really was a gut punch to, to learn that we lost him at the age of 70 yesterday. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, I remember when Peter last year came out with his, you know, to go public about his battle with cancer and, uh, you know, he wanted to kind of raise awareness through his fight and he had been able to kind of recover enough to get through and get back on their broadcasts. And, you know, I did a one-on-one interview with him last year, uh, you know, after he had uh, kind of come through that first part of the battle and just, uh, you know, for someone, our, you know, our age, I'm older than you, but like, you know, you remember him as a player and, uh, a really good player and it's funny you know when I had to you know when I did the one-on-one interview with him I went back and really did the research like he went to the University of Denver he went there to play baseball in the early 70s and he ended up playing hockey and being on the hockey team and then ended up you know being in the National Hockey League and being a really good player and he got inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame uh, last year which I thought was really well deserved and uh, but we had a great interview, and then I was very fortunate again. Just you know, sometimes in life, you, you know, you just feel like a little. You feel blessed. It's like I, you know, I was able to. The Avalanche were in the final. I'm out there covering it, and I got to see him out there a couple of times. We got to have some conversations. Uh, my colleague on the show, Jackie Redman, and I were we were talking to him in the press box one day in in Denver before one of the games, and. Um, it, I just feel like I, like I said, I feel like really that those few moments, I feel it was just it was a great blessing to have that time to spend with someone who's such a good guy and was such a terrific player, and 
been a real ambassador for the sport for a long time as a broadcaster for many, many years with the Devils and then with the Avalanche. So you're absolutely right. It was uh, very, very sad to get that news yesterday. It kind of knocked me back a little bit. I did not know that, uh, you know, the cancer had come back and, and put him in this situation. So it really did shake me up a little bit when I heard the news. So really, really sad. And our condolences to the McNabb family. I mean, it's been a family that has had a lot of connection in hockey for many, many years. So uh, Peter was just a terrific guy and really sad to hear that news. Yeah, I was able to get out there. Um, I was just looking it up in January of 18. It was the last time I called a game in Denver and I got to do a long interview that we played in the pregame show. And I remember telling them how, and I've, I've told the story before, um, where I was a Devil fan growing up. So in 88, 89, I was a member of the fan club. And my favorite player was Jim Corn, and so I they had a they they had a uh, a um, fan club dinner, and you got to sit with your favorite player. And I wanted to sit with Jim Corn. Jim Corn was a no show, so the Devils were so apologetic. They said, "We have a table of the broadcasters. Would you mind sitting with the broadcasters?" Which I had known that that was an option. I well, probably would have picked them over Jim Corn. So sit with Gary Thorne, Chris Moore, who was the radio guy at the time. And Peter McNabb. And I was in my glory as a young announcer trying to break into the business. And I'm looking at it now. It says Table A because I was able to grab the um, the sign for the table. And it's got to Don, good luck in broadcasting, Gary Thorne, autograph with Chris Moore. And at the bottom, Peter McNabb. And I was just in awe picking their brain about being an announcer. And, you know, and now you know my dream came true and I'm able to call games and all that. And I reminded Peter of that. And he was he was just so... I tweeted it out earlier. He was he was so accommodating to a fan. He was so accommodating to me as an announcer. Educated me on the game. Such a down-to-earth nice guy, and uh, he's certainly going to be missed. So I wanted to take at least yeah. a couple of minutes on this podcast to just express my feelings, and I knew you had stories too. Yeah, listen, you should thank Jim Corn, that miserable <laughs> no-show, because really at the end of the day, that was, a year, that was so much better for you. I know. So thank you. Thank you, Jim Corn. Thank for you. Mailing it in. Old number fourteen. Well, you, doing? you know. But uh, lucky to have anything, Jim Corn, for crying you know, out loud. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Since we're on the topic of the devils, I mean, this this really feels like this this has been fun. The question is, is it sustainable? But they, after losing the first two games of the season, what is it, nine of their last ten, they go out to Western Canada sweep after spotting uh, the opposition a lead in every single one of the games. I've mentioned it on this podcast. They kind of remind me of the Avalanche a few years ago where all the young players, you were wondering, will they grow into their own? Will they become stars? And it's a little early to start saying this team's going to win a Stanley Cup, but I get that same feel like everybody's maturing at the same time. And speed is the first thing everybody mentions when they talk about the New Jersey Devils. I guess the question is, how sustainable is this? Well, I guess we're going to find out. I mean, I talked to Bruce Boudreaux last week, who uh, 
coaches the Canucks. They played the Devils out there. The Devils beat them, and he was. He said he goes, "Hey, they might be the best team in the league right now." So there's from Bruce. Now I don't know if that's necessarily true over the course of a long season, but they're playing some great hockey right now. And you're right. I mean, they, they really push you back with their speed. They're getting good goaltending from uh, Vanacek, and prior to that, Blackwood. I know he's a little dinged up right now. Um, so. I mean, listen. It's it's a one game at a time thing. When you're when you're a team that is, you know, you've missed the playoffs and you've been rebuilding and you have young players. I mean, it's a one game at a time deal, and we'll see how it is over the course of the season. But boy, oh boy, they've been really hard to play against, and they've they've really pushed everybody back with the speed in their lineup. The defense has been good. The acquisition of John Marino has been a really nice pickup for them. Um, so, you know, we'll see where, where things go from here, but you got to love the way they're playing right now. There's no question about it. You know, I'm looking at this Eastern Conference, and I got a chance to see Detroit firsthand last night. I'm really impressed with how improved they are this year. Buffalo is better. You look at the Metropolitan Division with the Devils and the Flyers uh, being much better than they were. Islanders clearly are a better team than they were last year. Uh, that kind of puts the Washingtons and the Pittsburghs and even the Rangers on notice. I mean, it's no fate accompli. You're making the playoffs. And if we're going to see some new additions this year, um, EJ, that means that it's going to be some some teams that are used to making the playoffs that might be on the outside looking in this year. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, last year it was eight up and eight down in the East, right? It was the eight teams that were in and then the eight teams that weren't. And it was pretty straightforward from – you know, maybe even around Thanksgiving all the way to the end of the year, who was going to be in and who was going to be out. This year, completely different story. The league is kind of turning a little bit. Uh, the flat cap over the last couple of years has kind of forced some teams to make some hard decisions. Some of the, the stalwarts of the Eastern Conference are starting to, to show some wear and tear over the over the years. I mean, look at the Penguins now. I mean, what have they lost? Seven in a row? I think they're 0-6-1 in their last seven. That's one point out of a possible 14. Yeah. I mean, they could be in a lot of trouble this year. So, you know, for me, this league is really hard. You saw it last night. The Red Wings come into the Garden. They're down 2 nothing. They come back. They end up winning the game in, in overtime. There's no easy outs. I mean, every every night, You've got to you've got to bring your A game, and if you don't, you're going to lose. And uh, you know, I think the East is really going to be wide open this year. It's just so dramatically different, Don, than last year. And I, again, I don't know. Maybe the Devils and the Senators and the Sabers and the Red Wings. You know, maybe these teams will will take a step back. But you know what? I get the sense unless they get really some devastating injuries, they're just going to be hard to play against all year. And Teams are going to have to, you know, the teams that were, were there last year, it's going to be a real struggle. And, and let's face and let's talk about the Islanders as well. They're, they've been playing some good hockey over the last uh, couple of weeks and, and rolled up some wins. They ended up losing in Detroit the other day, but they had, had five wins in a row. So it's going to be a dogfight just to make the playoffs, you know, probably in both conferences, but much more difficult in the East than it was last year where it was kind of you could coast from – you know, from from January 1st on, if you were in one of those eight spots. Yeah, it's been incredible. And I was talking about it with Dave Maloney last night. He brought up a great point. Everybody's got skill. You know, you you, you watch your team. You know, we, we fo- I focus on the Rangers because I call their games. You're like, look how skilled they are, how gifted they are on the power play. 
And then I did that game at Muller Arena last Sunday, and here's I'm, I'm watching the Coyotes, and, and they're not very good, right? They're one of the worst teams in the league right now, and, and they've got skill, and they're flying around. And, they're, and so it's really about, you know, if everybody's got the skill, it's really about who can finish and who can finish their checks and, you know, who takes care of the puck because it's not just going out there and being more skilled than the opposition. Heck, all these teams have skill. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's the difference between hockey now and hockey 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago is that the, the, the guys, the fourth-line players now, the guys who are not, you know, can barely get in the lineup, those guys all skate really well. They can all shoot the puck. They can, I mean, they, they have. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of skill in this league. Skill development has been off the charts for the last 20 years, and um, – there's no question about it. So to me, you got to show up and bring your A game every night. If you don't, you know you're gonna you're gonna lose points. Yep. And if you lose enough of those points, you're gonna be standing there in early April just wondering what the hell happens. Who's in more trouble, Pittsburgh or St. Louis? Wow, that's a great question. I, um, I, I would say St. Louis because. St. Louis has got a, a couple of key guys that are unrestricted free agents, right? Ryan O'Reilly, who's had just a terrible start, and uh, Vladdy Tarasenkov, uh, Tarasenko. And, and so, you know, these are key players. And if, uh, if, if the contract year is going to be a year where they, they struggle, well, that's bad news for the Blues. And, you know, Jordan Bennington has been – you know, kind of, uh, he's played well for the most part, but like, uh, you know, he's, you know, he gets involved. It seems like it's always something. He's yelling at the Kings the other night. Then he gets involved with uh, Sorokin leaving the ice the other day. That was kind of silly. So that's kind of a distraction to me. Um, you know, they're in a really tough division where there's some teams there that are really good, including this defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. So, I mean, I, I think both are kind of in trouble, to be honest with you. Right. But I think the Blues are in a little bit more trouble. Like, the Penguins have Crosby. They have Latang. You know, I get the sense they're going to figure it out. Now, I don't know if that means figure it out to get into the playoffs or not because they've just lost 13 out of 14 points. And at the end of the day, if, if other teams continue to play well in the East, I mean, that – that stretch right here might be the difference between them being in or being out. So I guess we're going to see. But I think if I have to look at both right now, I would probably just say the Blues because of the contract situations. They've already had Doug Armstrong already had to speak out once. Yeah. They've gone through all the things that usually take months to happen. It's, it's happened to the Blues in a, in a month. And it's kind of surprising. They started off 3-0. And uh, Bennington had played well, and they just have kind of lost their way here. So they're in Boston for this Monday night game uh, against the Bruins team that has played very well, although they have gotten themselves into their own kind of hot water, you know, uh, unforced era by getting involved with signing uh, this Mitchell Miller young guy that you, I'm sure you're aware of the story, and now they yeah. kind of let him go. But, like, it was kind of an unforced error. I mean, everything was going well for the Bruins. I don't know why they felt they had to go down this path, and then they haven't. They didn't do the due diligence and then put the players out there to speak about it. I mean, it was a game day against Toronto on Saturday, and the players are having to answer for this I know. really odd decision by management. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But the Blues have had a couple of days off, and so maybe they can get it turned around. But, you know, again, 
you know, it's not you lose those games and you're not picking up points. You're not even getting that that overtime point. It's it's not good for your team as you move forward. All right, the the Mitchell story uh, aside, who was a bigger surprise to you, Boston or Vegas? Boston, because they have got uh, you know they had the injuries to Marshan, who's now back, and and uh, you know Charlie McAvoy is still out of the lineup, so. Um, you know, those are things to me that uh, I thought that would be much more difficult to overcome, and they have just rolled. So that's, you know, that's the one for me that would be more surprising. Yeah, it's just really just uh, shocking, uh, the both of them. But uh, Vegas, I wasn't sure they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, they lost a lot during the offseason, but with Eichel together and they're in first place in what is a very wide-open Pacific division, you take a look at that, and I wasn't sure there was going to be any wild-card teams that came out of the Pacific because the Central's so deep. But, you know, looking at Vegas and in Seattle in second place and the Kings in third, like it's a very interesting Pacific division. Yeah, and, you know, the Vegas thing to me, I think, and we talked about them last year. To me, the thing with Vegas last year was this. It just was like one of those years yeah. where nothing was going right. They had all kinds of cap challenges. They were trying to – they traded for Jack Eichel. He wasn't going to be ready for a couple of months. When he got back, he was coming off his surgery – they were without stone. They had other injuries. Uh, they had goaltending issues. I mean, it was just one of those years where everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I felt like, you know, it was a write-off. They were able to, in the offseason to kind of straighten things out. Eichel now is it was a healthy guy, and, you know, he's kind of acclimated to being out there. Stone is back in the lineup. They're going with some young goalies, but they've got a really good group of defensemen and, uh, you know, led by Petrangelo. So for me, you know, I, I figured they'd be better. The only question was going to be, you know, how would the goaltending hold up? And uh, so far, so good. And they defend very well. And Bruce Cassidy has, has come together. And, you know, with this group, it's a great opportunity, you know, for him to have a, a new group of players. He's a really good coach. I think his time was kind of up in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Vegas now and gets a fresh start there. So, you know... Uh, I, you know, Cassie, I'm, I'm more surprised at the Bruins just because of the fact that they have, they had so many, you know, really big time injury issues that they had to get through in the first month, and they rolled through. You know, I didn't have them as a playoff team to start the year, uh, but how concerning is what's going on in Washington, or do they just chalk it up to the injuries? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think injuries are a big factor there. Let's face it. You know, Wilson is Wilson to me is such a uh, you know is Tom Wilson is such a kind of a unicorn as a, as an NHL player because he 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 is a you know a, a power forward that can intimidate um, but can really play and can be a part of of your team in, in an important way. And so for him being out of the lineup, and then you have Backstrom, who's such an important piece of the puzzle, and they've had injuries to Carlson and, and Oshie and Hagland, and, uh, you know, they drafted, they brought in like, Connor Brown to play with their team from Ottawa as a free agent, and he got injured, and he's out for six to eight months. So they, I, 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 when I saw them come in and beat the Devils, one of the, I think it was the last team that beat the Devils was the Washington Capitals. Right. And, you know, and it's funny, when I watched that game, I was like, boy, oh, boy, they just, Peter Laviolette is a really good coach, and, you know, they just know how to find ways to win. And now they added Darcy Kemper, who's a pretty solid goalie, and I also like the kid, 
uh, they brought in behind him. So, uh, you know, it just seems like they were going to find a way. But it's going to be really hard for them just because those injuries and, the other, as I mentioned earlier, with the really talented teams in the East, they're going to need uh, they're going to need their goaltenders to play very well all year long because it's not going to be easy. They're not a fast team. They're not a young team. And they're dealing with some significant guys out of the mix. And uh, you got to see it firsthand uh, from the NHL Network with Columbus and Colorado going out to Finland. And I keep thinking about what happened with San Jose and Nashville. Both of those teams, not that they were great teams, but both of those teams came back and really got off to slow starts because of you know the lack of a bit of a training camp, having to go out to the Czech Republic. And I look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you know they're off to such a slow start. If, if they have any kind of problems coming back from Finland after getting swept out there by the Avalanche, I mean, their season could be over. Yeah, it might very well be over already. Yeah, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a team that uh, you know they added Gaudreau, Liney's back signed. They have some pieces, but the biggest problem I see right now for them is they're you know and I talked to Jody Shelley about this. They're just not getting enough saves, and, and they're a team that's really you know they need their goaltenders to play well. It's pretty simple. I mean, uh, they're not good enough where they can just roll out the sticks and skates and. And they're going to find ways to win. They've got they've got challenges there. They need Merz Lincolns. They need Corpusalo. They need whoever they put in between the pipes. They need good goaltending, and they have not gotten it so far. Not to say that the other parts of their team have been great. I mean, their their power play went on that trip overseas, having not scored a power play goal in their first 25 opportunities. I think it was on their 26th chance in the game against the Avalanche where they finally scored a power play goal. And you would think with guys like Gaudreau and Line and Voracek and Warinsky that, you know, they'd be able to to develop a pretty good power play there, but it hadn't unfolded. So, you know, in the Eastern Conference, as we talked about, where there's a lot of teams that have already been playing well, it's hard to get behind the eight ball. And there's, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington, they've got great players and coaches that have kind of won before, and and, and you think that they're going to figure a way out of it. The, the Columbus Blue Jackets don't really have that. They don't really have that pedigree. So uh, I think it's going to be a challenge for that group this year. Well, EJ, it was a pleasure. I know you got to run. Hopefully we'll talk to you next Monday, man. Good stuff. All right. You guys, Johnny. Take care, buddy. All right. That's the great EJ Raddick. Watch him on the NHL Network. NHL now 4-6 to six Eastern time. Three games tonight, all of them very intriguing. Calgary limps into the island. Now, the Islanders have been hot five in a row before they got shut out Saturday afternoon against Detroit. So that's an interesting game as the Flames are 5-4-1 and on the season and the Islanders 7-5-0 and in that wide-open Eastern Conference. And EJ brought up the Bruins and the Blues, two teams going in completely opposite directions. So we'll see uh, what can happen there. And at 8 o'clock tonight, the Washington Capitals looking to get a win after a loss to the Coyotes in Washington on Saturday. They'll take on the Edmonton Oilers, who have dropped a couple in a row. Of course, all eyes will be on Ovechkin, 787 goals now. Most goals ever scored for one team as he was able to break the tie with Cordy Howe as he's got seven goals, four assists and 11 points on the year, although he's a minus nine, which is kind of unusual for him lately, but the Capitals have struggled, but always good to see Ovechkin as he tries to climb closer and closer to get to Gordy Howe at number two at 8.01. So it was fun talking to EJ, lots going on. Uh, I will be um, doing the pre and post for a huge game tomorrow when the Rangers play host to the Islanders. Boy, the Rangers kind of limping right now, uh, got schooled by the Boston Bruins, blew a 2 nothing lead against Detroit last night. 
as the Rangers kind of squandering a four-game homestand, 1-1-1. They'll conclude it against an Islander team that a couple of weeks ago shut the Rangers out in Belmont. So should be Sorokin versus um, Igor Shosturkin. So that should be a good one tomorrow. So I'll be at the Garden for that one. We'll come back on Wednesday and kind of recap everything that's happening so far uh, during the course of the week as we try to get back on schedule with our podcasts three days a week. So we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Need to get in touch with me. Best way to do that is at Don LaGreca. Hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll reconvene on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.